Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. I don't want to ever be guilty of people sitting in this church and not getting it. But here's two things you need to understand this morning. And I'm going to repeat these many times to you because it made a great impact to me. Because we're talking about heaven, guys. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about families and nice grandkids. We're talking about your eternal life. Number one, God desires everybody to be saved. And number two, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. That's all there is. In today's message, we'll continue discussing life on the mountaintop. Pastor Mark will remind us today that these mountaintop experiences aren't made for us to sit back and kick our heels up. They're not to be a place where we let our guard down and neglect the mission that God has given us. Understand that there's still work to do regardless of where you're at in life. God can use you in the valley and he can also use you on the mountaintop. So no matter where you're at, continue to seek the Father. Look for open doors, pray for opportunities to share the truth, and be sure to give glory to God during the process. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 5, for our continuing study entitled, Life on the Mountaintop. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, Peter is writing to Mark, and Mark puts this in. I imagine Peter said it. Verse 6 is just has Peter all over it. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Now, when you don't know what to say, the best thing to do is shut your mouth. Peter, when he didn't know what to say, opened his mouth. Some of you have that disease, don't you? We call it Peter foot-in-the-mouth disease. And this is what you see. Peter didn't know what to say. So he opens his mouth. Now, for us, not understanding Hebrew, we didn't understand this, but Peter, his impulsive response, he used the title to Jesus called rabbi or teacher, which indicates he didn't get what Jesus had been saying. He was equating, listen, he was equating Moses and Elijah and Jesus all on the same level, as if Jesus was just another great prophet. That's a tremendous mistake, because earlier he had said, you are the Son of God. This passage of Scripture is trying to say that Peter didn't understand yet the superiority of Jesus. He was not just a prophet. He was God's only Son. Is there a difference? Oh, there's a big difference. You see, even in the Middle East today, when you say Jesus, they say he was a good prophet. But if he was only a good prophet and he was not the Son of God, then you and I are still dead in our trespasses and sins and you'll never even get a peek at heaven because we couldn't go there. So Peter makes a mistake. Secondly, Peter does what you and I would probably do. How many would like to just stay on the mountaintop? 
I mean, this has got to, this is one of those magic moments. I mean, here's these old disciples and they're there and they've read about Elijah and they've read about Moses and here's Jesus in his glorified body and they're going, wow. And if I had my chair here today, I'd put my chair up and sit down in it and just put it back and Peter said, man, get three rockers right here. Just let's just sit and enjoy this time. This is wonderful. But really, mountaintop experiences are not to sit and try to say, I want to stay here. They're to challenge us to understand what we're being taught there, to go back down into the valley. Real life is not lived in the mountaintops, but it's in the valley. Now, it's good to have mountaintop experiences, and we do have those, and God gives those in our lives to encourage us. Now, what Jesus has been saying to the disciples was, I'm going to the cross. Many people think by this shelters that Peter thinks the kingdom of God is here. Hey, put the shelters up. This cross stuff is no more. We don't even have to talk about the cross with Jesus because he's glorified already. The kingdom of God is here with power. Man, it's wonderful. And what he's also saying is this. Since Jesus isn't going to the cross, I don't have to take up my cross. I like it. But he's wrong. The kingdom of God had not come. This was just a glimpse of the power that would come. And so fulfills verse 1 where Jesus says, Some of you standing here will see the power of God coming. They were seeing the power of God coming, but the kingdom of God had not fully come yet. Number five, God wants to reveal himself to us. Verse seven says, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. If you've ever been to San Francisco and you've gone to like on the one of their parks and it's just a clear day and it's wonderful, it's strange what can happen in a matter of moments. The fog can come in in San Francisco and you can't even see to get out of the park. It just just envelopes them. Well, that's exactly what happened here. As Peter makes this unwise comment, God kind of clouds the situation over real quick. Like, let's get away from that. Let me show you something else, Peter. And suddenly, as they're standing there in this mountain, the Shekinah glory of God rolls in. This cloud, this thickness, this fog of spiritualness is a sign and manifestation of the presence of God. It was an Old Testament form in which God would often, you remember, reveal himself. Moses was on the cloud, and, and when he went up, the whole mountain was just covered with the Shekinah glory of God. You remember when Solomon built the temple? The priest couldn't even get in because the Shekinah glory of God just filled the temple. It had been over 600 years since anything like this had happened. And here they are on Mount Hermon, a snow-clapped mountain. Jesus' body is glorified, Elijah and Moses all covered by this luminous, glorious cloud of God. And in this silent moment, because you know how it is with fog, it, you just have to be quiet because there's, there's no noise in there. It's just like you're in a separate room. In this quietness, in this holiness, Peter probably thinking, what did I just say? In all of this time, there comes a voice. Now, if some of you want to be God, you could say it. I can't say it like God, but we're going to see it. Verse 7, it says, And a voice came from the cloud. This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him. Point number six is, Jesus is God's Son. You say, why would you even give me a point like that? Because that's what it's all about. Jesus is God's Son. Now keep your finger there quickly and turn back to 2 Peter chapter 1. This moment 
made such an impression on Peter that later he writes about it. Second Peter is almost to the book of Revelation, almost to the back of your New Testament. Verse 16. Here's what Peter writes about this experience. You see, when Peter was writing, the people were saying, well, these words, this Bible, this stuff you're telling us about, you know, this is just man-made ideas. Peter says, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, I was there. For he received honor and glory from God, the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The voice of God. Think about that. I've never heard the voice of God like that. But these guys did. Abba, Father. He said to his son, so that the other people could hear, This is my son. Now Jesus knew that. Moses and Elijah knew that. But the disciples are still struggling with it a little bit. This is my son. Is that significant? Oh, it is significant. Because he's the only one that could take the sins of the world away. See, he's trying to say, this is not another prophet. This is my son. And secondly, he says, I love him. In fact, I love him so much that I'm sending him to earth to die because I love you too. And thirdly, he says something very important. He says, this is my son. I love him. But here's the important thing for you and I. Listen to him. Now, that brings us to point number seven this morning, which is this. God is still speaking today through his word. God is still speaking today through his word. What God was saying to Peter, to James, and John was this. I know best when I speak... We used to have the E.F. Hutton thing. You remember E.F. Hutton? When E.F. Hutton speaks, listen, I think they went bankrupt or whatever, so you don't want to listen to that anymore. But when God speaks, you're to listen. And Jesus was God's son. He never spoke anything that didn't come from the Father. So God is saying to the disciples, you listen. So God is still speaking to us today. Now, how does he speak to us today? Just write these down. You can look up this later. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. God speaks to us today through visions, through circumstances, through people, but basically through his word. That's what we're teaching you this morning. So here's what you can put down in your life. If somebody has a vision and it didn't come from too much pizza or whatever, and it actually came from God, and there are visions, in the last day there will be visions and dreams. If somebody has a circumstance in your life, if you have a person that says to you, here's what I believe God's saying to you, you need to be real careful about that. But all of those things you take and you just filter through the Word of God. Anything that comes from anything other than the Word of God, you have to filter through the Word of God. Now, if the Word of God matches what that was, whatever, then fine, you can do it. If it doesn't, you throw it out. It isn't worth anything. This is the filter that we live by. God speaks to us today, not through the prophets, not through the Old Testament, really, other than the principles that are there, but He speaks to us today through who? His Son, Jesus Christ, which is the Word, which again is the Old and the New Testament. But the New Revelation is the New Covenant. We don't go by the Old Covenant anymore. We're in the New Covenant. Aren't you glad this morning? We're in the New Covenant. So God is still speaking to us today, which brings us to point number eight. The disciples are commanded to listen and obey God's Word. Now, if I don't listen to Jesus, who am I going to listen to? If I don't listen to the Word, how am I going to live my life? Well, I'll live my life listening basically to myself, 
my own ideas, the world's ideas, Satan's ideas. Do you know our children at the earliest ages today are being taught by the world? Our children, before they can walk, sit in front of television, and they're learning, not God's things, but the ways of the world. Before they can even walk, they're seeing the system of the world. That's why it's important that our children are in Sunday school. That's why it's important that you parents bring your children, don't drop them off. But you come and show them that God's word is important. I love it when we come and everybody's got their word out and they're looking at it and whatever. And you go home and you call me or put on the email and say, what did you mean by that point there? Is that really true? I like it when you challenge us. It's good. Because you should be challenged everything that I say according to the word of God. That's the filter. I'm not the filter. The word of God is the filter. And as you and I do that, we'll understand. Now this word listen, God said to the disciples, listen to my son. The word listen in the Greek means to hear, which leads to obedience. It's not just listening, but it's hearing that leads to obedience. Now, as I've taught this morning, we've gotten eight points already. You've read the word of God. You've seen it. God has already been speaking to your heart. Did you know that? You've already learned some things this morning. You've already put some things there. The Holy Spirit's going, boom, bing, boom. And you go, wow. See, this will change your life. God didn't say, okay, do this, do these things, do these sacrifices. God said, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen and obey. Now, you're joking yourself this morning. If you come to church and you come every single time the doors open and you listen to word, you take notes, you buy tapes, you do all these things, but you don't obey, you're kidding yourself. You see, listening does no good unless we obey. And the obedience comes from understanding that God's way is always the best way. Now, it's easy to understand on the mountaintop because I hear God there. Ooh, this is good. Now, next week when we're down in the valley, it's a little more difficult. And you wonder, God, where are you? How come you're not speaking? By the way, he's still speaking. It's just because we're discouraged and we're not listening. So don't take the word of God for granted. What a privilege to come this morning and open the word of God. Do you realize how wonderful it is for God to speak right into your heart this morning? Wow, that's wonderful. And that only comes because the word of God is alive. Point number nine, Christianity is about Jesus and you. Christianity is about Jesus and you. Verse 8, suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And Mark says, basically here, that all of a sudden the cloud left. Elijah and Moses are gone. God is silent. Jesus is back to his normal body. And we have the three disciples standing with Jesus. What God is trying to say there to disciples is this. Christianity is about the centrality of the person of Jesus Christ. That's what it circles all around about. See, Christianity is about Jesus Christ and you. And Jesus Christ and me. little glimpse of heaven this morning that we've seen. The whole key to that is what you do and I do with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the simplicity of it. Now, God goes on and Jesus goes on and he tells us some other things that are very important. Verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. You know how hard that would have been for Peter? <laughs> Man, we just had a... I, 
Unbelievable. Never in their life before or again. And they had to remain silent. Why? Verse 10. They kept the matter to themselves discussing what rising from the dead meant. Why? Because as they came down, they still didn't understand what rising from the dead meant. You mean we're coming down from the mountain? Yes, we're coming down from the mountain. You mean the kingdom of God hasn't come yet? No, the kingdom of God hasn't come yet. Oh, bummer. Verse 11. And they asked him, why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? So not only are you puzzled about the cross, but Malachi tells us in the Old Testament that before the Messiah would come, Elijah would come first and kind of restore things. And this is what they're saying. Wait a minute, we just saw Elijah on the mountaintop. Is he going to come back now and restore things? I mean, he's gone. He, he left the picture. Do we have the right time frame here? Do you see they were confused about it? Well, look at verse 12. Jesus replied, To be sure Elijah does come first and restore all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. So here's what Jesus says. Elijah was to come and be a forerunner before Jesus would come. He was to come and point people to the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus says Elijah has come. And what he means is, one of the other Gospels says, he was talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist had come and had in the person of John the Baptist was the spirit of Elijah. When John the Baptist came, what did he do? He pointed people to their sin and to Jesus Christ. He said, there's one coming after me that I can't even unloose his shoestrings. He's the son of God. So what Jesus is saying is this. Elijah came in the person of John the Baptist. So the forerunner has already come. Now I'm stepping in. And when John the Baptist came, you see that last verse that says, when John the Baptist came, the people did to him what they wanted. The rulers of the Jewish church said to John the Baptist, you're false. And Herod killed him. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, exactly the same thing's going to happen. The religious leaders are going to reject me, and I'm going to be killed. But what he's trying to say to his disciples is this, because of that, as you see me suffering... You need to understand that as I go to the cross, I'm going to die on this cross, disciples, for your sins, for the sins of the whole world. Then you're going to have a privilege after the cross, after I die and resurrect the disciples, you 12, you're going to have the privilege of being like me. You're going to have good news as you go to people, and you're going to say, you want to take a peek at heaven? Here's how you do it. You accept Jesus Christ because he is the son of God. And what he's trying to say to the disciples is this. Listen, listen, if you miss this, you miss the whole thing. You can write this verse down so you'll catch it later. It's Romans eight eighteen. What Jesus is saying is this. Guys, we've just come from a mountaintop. We're headed down to the valley. Now your life is going to be filled with mountaintops and valleys. And mountaintops and valleys. But one day... The difficulties, the trials, the persecution will all be over. There will be no more valleys. I'm looking for that day, are you? When there's no more tear, when there's no more heartache, when there's no more sorrow, when there's no more death. Jesus said that day's coming. And Paul said the present sufferings in the valley aren't even worthy compared to the glory 
that's eventually going to come. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, I took you to the mountaintop to encourage you that life is tough, but there's a day coming when it will all pay off. We were on a plane and my wife was talking with this lady and as she began to talk, I was interested in her conversation because she basically said this, we live in New Hampshire and our kids are all over the world and doing all these things and she talked about her family and she mentioned her son here in Florida and she said, you know, I was a Protestant for over 50 years, but my husband's always been Catholic. So just recently I converted to Catholicism. And then she said, my son lives in, uh, I think it was Jacksonville, and she said he married a Jewish girl. And she just went on and talked about their family and how neat things were and whatever. And later in the conversation, because she wasn't really talking to me, she was talking to my wife, you know, women like to talk. And so <laughs> I said to her, how did your son and daughter-in-law reconcile Catholicism with Judaism? He said, well, that was no problem. My son just converted to Judaism. And it bothered me because of this. Listen, here's a lady for 50 years in Protestantism doesn't get it that Jesus Christ is the center of Christianity. What you do with Jesus Christ affects your whole life. She didn't get it. She just finished all 50 years in Protestantism, in our kind of church. She didn't get it. 50 years! Then she just went through weeks and weeks in Catholicism. And she didn't get it there. And she passed on to her son nothing. He didn't get it. It didn't mean anything. I just transfer over to a religion that is still looking for Jesus. And I said to myself, I don't want to ever be guilty of people sitting in this church and not getting it. But here's two things you need to understand this morning. And I'm going to repeat these many times to you because it made a great impact to me. Because we're talking about heaven, guys. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about families and nice grandkids. We're talking about your eternal life. Number one. God desires everybody to be saved. And number two, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. That's all there is. I'm looking forward to the day when I talk with my mom and my dad, my grandpa, grandma, grandpa and grandma on the other side, uncles and aunts, friends who are there. Do you know I'm going to recognize them because we already saw it this morning. I'm going to be able to talk with them. Isn't that wonderful? I'm looking forward to that day. We took a peek at heaven through the scripture. Here's something you need to consider. Is that the only peak you will ever see? You see, if you personally don't accept Jesus Christ, you will never see heaven. You say, what kind of God is that? It isn't God's fault. It's your fault. You see, your whole destiny depends on one thing. What you do with Jesus Christ. You can never leave this service this morning, unless you've been sleeping now in the last couple minutes, you can never leave this service this morning and say, I didn't know that the only way to God is through the person of Jesus Christ. You can't ever, ever say that from my teaching. Now, I can't convince you of that. Only God can do it. I can state the truth. You have to accept it. Here's a scripture you need to hear. He who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son does not have life. That's it. Heaven is going to be wonderful. Will you be there? 
We learned today that the mountaintop experiences in life aren't an excuse to become lazy. They aren't meant for us to vacate and forget about our responsibilities as servants of God. Yes, we can enjoy life on the mountaintop. Yes, we can find rest and peace in our Messiah. But that doesn't mean that our work is done. God wants to do great and mighty things through us, regardless of where we're at. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we'll be reminded of the reality of hell. And contrary to popular belief, it is a real place. There's constant torment and agony. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if people would truly see this place for what it is, they would be begging not to go. Sadly, most people think that hell is a joke, but it's not. It is a place where we could all end up if we reject Jesus. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.